Hey listeners, this is Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars. We all love to eat. Well, I would like to tell you about my friends at the Rib Shack Barbecue on West Bay Drive in downtown Largo. Their menu offers family-sized takeout dinners like delicious ribs, chicken, beef, and pork, or sit-down barbecue dinners, sandwiches, and even desserts. They will also cater your party. Everything is barbecued fresh using real oak for that great smoky flavor. So visit my friends, Corey, Jed, and Kurt, at the Rib Shack Barbecue in downtown Largo, 600 West Bay Drive, or call them for a takeout order at 727-501-9090. That's 727-501-9090. They truly have the best smoking barbecue in town. Oh, and be sure and check out their great barbecue sauce. That's the Rib Shack Barbecue in downtown Largo, 727-501-9090. I'm telling Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars sent you. Hi, this is Tim Del Toro. And I'm Lou Angel Wolf, and we are the Grease Gurus. Our show is broadcast every Saturday morning live at WTAN 10 Talk Radio 1340. That's 10 o'clock every Saturday morning for an automotive forum that is flavored with humor and insight. We encourage you to call in and be part of the Grease Gurus show. We'd love to have you, and we will certainly help you find your inner grease. This show is sponsored by Tim's Performance Service Center in beautiful Tarpon Springs at 906 Verona Place, and you can reach us personally at 727-543-1601. Aha. In racing... The engine is everything. What? It's the driver. A driver will never see a finish line without a great engine. The greatest engine will never see a victory lap without a great driver. At least they agree on Texaco Haviland Formula 3 motor oil, the same oil you can buy right off the shelf. And also try Haviland Extended Life Antifreeze from Texaco. The engine's the first thing with the finish line. Not in Indy cars. There's one thing that a racing engine and a street engine have in common. You want them both to last. Haviland Formula 3 from Texaco. To build a race engine that holds up, you have to use the best of everything. And Haviland does that job. No other leading motor oil offers more complete protection to help your car run better, last longer. Good enough for Robert Yates. Haviland Formula 3. Why add just any motor oil? Add more life to your car. Get us two cases and fly. There's only one motor oil that Robert Gates Racing relies on for complete protection. Haviland Formula 3 from Texaco. The same Haviland Formula 3 you can use in your car. That was quick. Yeah, they had it right down the street. Hey, the Red Rocker Sammy Hagar here, and you are listening to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Ah, uh, woo! Good God, woo! Okay, listeners, welcome. You're tuned in to Nostalgic Radio and Cars, and I'm your show host, Robert. Run your computers and Google TanTalk1340.com, and you can see us live here in the studios in downtown Clearwater for the post-Clearwater Superboat Race Show Spectacular. How about that? I hope everybody uh, made it down there. I know, Tommy, you were down there yesterday, or on uh, yeah. Saturday and Sunday. Yeah, Both good. days, yeah, good time. Good time. You got to meet the Hulkster. Yeah, we actually, if you go to our Facebook page, Nostalgic Radio Cars and Gulfstream Motorsports, you can see a picture of uh, Team Nostalgic Radio Cars, which is Tommy, Bobby, and myself, and Hulk Hogan. By the way, don't forget to check out our website, GulfstreamMotorsports.com, and you can find out all about us, what we do, what we buy, what we sell, what we appraise. And if you've missed any of our past shows, go to NostalgicRadioAndCars.com, and you can uh, pull up the podcast that has all our past shows. Now... We've got a guest coming on the show because this was a pretty, pretty exciting weekend, and we've got a pretty, pretty exciting show this evening because we've got a member, two members of SBI, which is Superboat International, and I believe the uh, co-owner of the winning boat. So I'm delighted to welcome to the show this evening, Brett Manier. Hey, how you doing? And uh, welcome I'm to the welcome to Nostalgic Radio Cars. So thanks for having me. Did you have a great time this past weekend in uh, downtown Clearwater and uh, Clearwater Beach? I did have a great time. I'm still uh, got. Uh, sunburn and my nose is still peeling, but we had a great time. <laughs> Fantastic time. Well, you know, luckily we had some pretty decent weather. It didn't kill us until in the evening, but during the daytime for uh, practicing and uh, testing and tuning was a great day, and obviously the day of the races was really good. Yeah, you're, you're right. It was uh, it was nice when it needed to be nice, and it rained when it, when it could, and uh, 
Um, looks like the beaches are packed for race day and for testing, so uh, looks like a lot of spectators were able to come out and enjoy the boats. Now, I believe I. You know what's funny because normally I'm there at the uh, at the at the after race show, the post race show, and they give away the award ceremony and stuff like that. But my son was going back to college that afternoon, that evening, so I went with him. So I didn't really get the race results, and I just now got them texted to me. And am I correct in assuming that you guys are first place in Superboat? Yeah, we came into the race in the Clearwater, 86 or 89 points ahead of WHM and ahead of our class. Mm-hmm. Um, we were able to fend off uh, WHM and the steel boats and win the race, which would give us the national championship. So uh, we just got back to Missouri. In fact, the, the race boat, our RVs, and all of our equipment just showed up minutes ago. And uh, a huge storm uh, downpour here in Missouri. But they, everybody's back in safe. And we came back with a national championship. Well, congratulations. I'll tell you what. I was out there on the uh, pier. I was taking pictures. And I've got some, which I will forward those to you. And uh, now there's a couple other guys that are professional photographers. I just happen to have a couple good shots myself. So I'll definitely forward those to you. But i got to tell you, your boat performed consistently and stunningly well. I mean, uh, and it looked very, very good out there. And it was freaky fast. (laughs) It was. It was. We, it's been a it's been a uh, battle all year long. Uh, we were able to win a couple races. We had a, a couple issues, but um, um, WHM got ahead of us a couple races. But we practice a lot. We're we're located right on Lake of the Ozarks. We're actually a boat dealership, hence the name Performance Boat Center, uh, here on Lake of the Ozarks. And it's, it's about fifty foot from where the boat is stored to the water. So we tested a lot. We we messed a lot with a lot of different setup uh, situations, different propellers, and. Um, we had a support boat out there on the course on Saturday during testing as well as Sunday while we raced. It gives us the intel to make decisions on what stuff to go with on that, that particular day. And uh, we were uh, right in our choice and, and able to stay about four or five seconds ahead at the finish uh, in front of Steel and WHM and pull off a victory. You know, it's amazing because WHM... And Billy Muff, I asked him, I said, what does WHM stand for? He says, wife has money. That was his, always his running show. So, <laughs> he's a character. He is. He's a super go. guy. But I'll tell you what, it seemed like he was doing really, really well because he was catching, then you'd pull away, then he was catching, and then something happened there towards the end, and then he fell back, and he got behind Steele. He almost, I think he passed Steele at one time, um, Jake Noble. And yep, uh, so, uh, but you guys were just, you, when that, it was towards the uh, last three or four laps, you just, like ran off and hid. I mean, you just really, really did well. Well, the, the, our class is, is very specific on, on a lot of different reasons, and, and our boats have to weigh 9,500 pounds when we exit the race. We're only allowed a 510-cubic-inch naturally aspirated engine with a four-barrel carburetor and a certain header, and we're only allowed to turn 7,000 RPMs and a certain gear ratio. So when, when, you, when you get going and, and the boats are so equally matched, uh, the start's very important. And staying out in front and attrition becomes, um, you know, becomes a victory. So once we were able to stay outside and pick our, pick our lanes, um, it very, very much helped. Now, Billy will run that boat extremely loose and do everything he can to, to kind of gain. And we had a couple of scares. We watched it from the beach, and I thought that uh, I thought maybe he'd able to be able to slingshot around us and use some cleaner water. But um, Johnny and Myrick, our boat racers, were able to hold him back. And, um, um, and finish their 19 laps and, and come back with a national championship. So we're very proud of the team and very proud of those guys. Super. Tell us about your drivers. I didn't get a chance to talk to them. Normally I make my rounds and I talk to everybody. And uh, I know you've been to Clearwater before a few times, right? Yeah, we actually raced there last year, and we didn't win the race. I think we got third, but we were able to have enough points and pull up the national, national championship last year as well. So we're back-to-back national champions. Uh, Johnny Thomason is our throttle man. Um, he uh, lives and works out of Miami. Uh, he owns a boat, uh, boat repair and storage facility called TNT Marine. They're kind of the who's who of performance boats in South Florida. And then Myrick Coyle, our driver, um, uh, works at Performance, and he's our shop foreman, uh, one of our lead techs. Uh, so he runs our service department and drives the race boats. So you got guys with a lot of experience. They've raced in a lot of different situations together with Budweiser, Bud, Bud Light, uh, Bacardi Silver, and a lot of different race boats both crewing and driving and, and back and forth. So we got a great relationship. Um, we do a lot of work with those guys back and forth, and, and um, it, it's everything. When you get the experience and then the camaraderie and the teammates together, it, it makes all the difference in the world. Super. Now tell us a little bit about the uh, Performance Boat Center, and Mark was telling me that you guys have the Lake of the Ozarks is 
has more coastline than the state of California. I had no idea. Tell us about that area. That, that is that is true. We're a, we're a man-made uh, uh, lake. We have a, a big dam that creates energy for the area, uh, owned by Ameren. Um, the lake, I believe it's like 1,250 or 1,300 miles of shoreline, which is longer than the state of California. Um, very developed. There's houses and condos and, and restaurants up and down the lake. Uh, Performance Boat Center is the nation's largest um, performance boat dealership, if you will. Uh, we buy, sell, trade, service, transport, insure, finance. Uh, it doesn't have anything to do with the performance boat. We do it. Uh, we get a couple cars in every now and then, uh, but our focus is, is boats. Um, we've got a staff of about 30 people, and uh, we rotate our staff through um, the race circuit. So uh, the main guys always get to go, but we use some junior techs some managers and managers uh, and salespeople to, to help be part of the team because they, they, everybody wants to put in put a little bit of time and help out. So uh, we're located right here in central Missouri between Kansas City and St. Louis. And um, like I said, the guys left Monday morning. They just pulled back in. So it's, it's about a two-full-day drive up here to Missouri. Wow. Now, you're also the manager of Performance Boat Center, from what I understand, right, as well as one of the co-owners? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yeah, I'm a okay. general manager and co-owner. Uh, so my daily duties are uh, meeting with all of my managers in different, different areas. We have a paint shop. There's five guys in there actually clear-coating a brand-new uh, Ride Performance 360 cat right now. Uh, we have a huge service department. We do everything from drives, engines, uh, maintenance, uh, upgrades with stereos, lighting, interior, that kind of thing. And we do sales as well. We've got four or five sales guys and gals that sell boats nationwide. So uh, Ford is one of our big markets, and likely we're going to look into exploring that here in the near future. But we're centrally located in the United States, and we've got trucks and, uh, that run back and forth. From the East Coast, uh, Florida, Texas, wherever I need to pick one up or drop one off, we got trucks that run all over the country as well. So we're, we're in a lot of moving pieces, and we're back now from Clearwater, and we start gearing up for the Fort Lauderdale Boat Show and then the uh, Miami Key West Poker Run, and then we race again in Key West for the World Finals. So we get a, a few weeks off to prepare and get right back after it. Wow. I also understand that you are the largest cigarette offshore boat dealer in the state of Florida, are, or in the are. country. Um, in the country, yes, sir. We took on Cigarette about four or five years ago. Uh, developed a great relationship with the president of uh, Cigarette, Skip Raver. Um, we stock all of his products. At one point in time, we've had them all, uh, all the way from the 38 Top Gun with 565 horsepower engines to the big boy, the Marauder, with 1550 engines. Um, and then all, obviously all their center consoles as well. So we do Cigarette, Skater, uh, Wright Performance, Sensation, uh, Princess Yachts. So we have we have a lot of a lot of different um, brands to, to get you a new boat, and we, we sell and buy just about anything you use. A lot of old fountains, Donzies, Hustlers, Outer Limits, uh, Nortec, uh, just about anything. So we've got a big showroom here, big service apartment, paint, storage facilities. So um, we like we like when our customers come up and, and drop their boats off and, and let us do what we need to do. And we also have a restaurant, and two pools here in the facility. So we're kind of the we're kind of the, the, the go to place. Well, you're like a retreat. So we are like a retreat. We have a lot of people that come from from nationwide. We meet them at one of these events or race events or a poker on, and and they hear about us and they come up and spend the weekend. And and you know we we've, we've got a um, an easy boating situation, if you will. We've got fresh water, no tide, uh, no real channel markers. Uh, all of our docks are floating and just with water uh, water height. Uh, uh, a lot of restaurants and bars and pretty girls to help dock dock your boat and fuel dock on the water. So it, it makes it really easy to come to our lake and enjoy it. Super. Now, what about boat races? Do you have races on your lake? We do. We host, and we're the title sponsor of the lake race, which is not an SBI race. I wish we could do that. They just It's too costly to bring them up. Uh, OPA sanctions it for us. Um, Billy Moss came up. Steel comes up. Cleveland, Cleveland Construction. Geico's been there before. Uh, Wake Effects. A lot of the big names come up. Um, we're a huge cash purse uh, race. So rather than racing for points, these guys come up and um, some of the classes pay out fifteen, twenty thousand dollars. So we host that. Um, um, brings out a lot of people up to our area. We do a lot of poker runs, um, support your troops poker runs, a, char- a charity poker run that, that we put on and raised thirty five thousand dollars for that this year. Uh, a lot of fun runs that are free for people. We do everything we do is based around performance boating. So anytime we can get you together and out boating is is a good deal for us. Super. Well, I'll tell you what. I want to thank you for coming on the show. If people want to find out more about Performance Boat Center, how do they go about doing it? Uh, PerformanceBoatCenter.com um, or Performance Boat Center on Facebook. And our main office number is 573-873-2300. I appreciate you having me on. 
Well, Brett, I want to thank you very much. Con again, congratulations to uh, winning the uh, national championship. Uh, if I get a chance and I make it down to Key West, I'll definitely uh, pop in and say hi. In the meantime, take care. And I know you're at dinner with your family, so uh, say hi to them for me, too. They don't know me, but, you know, uh, congratulations. Will do. Will do. <laughs> I appreciate you. We just put the just put the, uh, the national Clearwater championship in the trophy case and going to call it a night. We're going to head home. Performance Bowl Center's closed. All right. All right, well, take care. Hey, I want to thank my special guest, Brett Manier. I think I pronounced it right this time, right, Brett Manier? You got uh, it, Brett Manier. Okay, co-owner of the uh, Jimmy John's Freaky Fast Superboat that uh, won the national championship here in Clearwater, Florida, and also the co-owner and manager, general manager of Performance Boat Center. Hey, what do we got queued up on the uh, turntable? Yes, we played a little tribute to Robert Yates. Unfortunately, he passed away yesterday. Super, super guy. He's been on our show before. Tom Petty, he's up in the, in the big stage up in the sky right now. So a little Tom Petty, you're tuning into the Southern Getting Cars. Don't touch that dial. We'll be right back with a little breakdown. This is Robert from Nostalgic Radio Cars. Let me tell you about my company, Gulfstream Motorsports. 727-541-1741. I have over 35 years experience with classic, vintage sport and racing cars. I do appraisals, consulting, and pre-purchase inspections. Before you buy your next rare classic, the car of your dreams, give me a call at Gulfstream Motorsport 727-541-1741. Also, due to my 28 years experience in the auto salvage business, I am very good with wrecks. So if your car has been in a wreck, call me for a diminished value report. Call me at 727-541-1741. You may be owed some money for lost value of your repaired vehicle. That's Gulfstream Motorsports, 727-541-1741. And be sure to tune in to Nostalgic Radio and Cars, Wednesdays, 7 to 8 p.m. on the Tantalk Radio Network, AM 1340. Okay, we're back. You're tuned in to Nostalgic Radio Cars, and it's time to introduce our next guest for the evening. And this gentleman is the course marshal for Superboat International. I'm delighted to welcome to the show this evening, Randy Mearns. Randy, are you there? I am here. How are you? Pretty good. So tell us a little bit about uh, what you do with SBI, because you have a very, very important role, course marshal, correct? Is that the right terminology? Yeah, that is the right terminology. Um, basically, myself and my crew, we are responsible for... Um, setting up the course at, at every race site and then maintaining that course and eventually taking it down. But more importantly, we, we also uh, supervise the entire marine event um, except for the medical aspect when we're out there on the water. Okay. Now, does that include coming up with the actual configuration of the racetrack, the circuit itself? Uh, that's actually done in, in coordination with, with the owners of SBI. Um, you know, the... Um, they kind of, uh, they, they and the local promoter establish where they want the course to be, and then there's certain parameters that we have to be, like certain amount of distance offshore and away from hazards and things like that. So, you know, that's that's done 
with, like I said, with our, with our the owners of the company, with the local promoter, and with myself to make sure that I'll, that all works for everybody. So now, who are the people? So take us from the beginning. So once you you have a race, let's just let, we'll use Clearwater as an example. What's the first order of priorities for you? If we have a wreck, yeah. Well, uh, if we have a, if we have an incident, um, we call it an incident. Okay, <laughs> incident. That's fair. Um, and and it, there's actually two different um, setups for that. If we have an incident where it's just a minor incident, maybe a rollover, and um, the guys pop out of the boat, and it's not a really big deal. Um, we simply go in there and, um, you know, and make sure that those guys are, are out and um, that the boat then gets pulled from the race course and things go on as normal. Um, if we have an incident where um, somebody may be trapped in the vessel, um, we set up what we call a caution zone. We actually create a yellow flag area where the racers have to slow down and not allowed to pass in that area because not only do, you have, do we have injured or possibly injured racers in the water, but we have also probably deployed rescue people into the water. We want to make sure that they don't get, um, you know, run over by any of the race boats. So we create a safety zone there um, and and manage that until the whole event is over. And again, it's a simple matter of getting the people out first and then pulling the vessel out of the race course, and then we can go hot again and keep racing. Okay. So in other words, when they slow down, do you have, do they slow down to a certain, is there a certain safe speed that you want them to cruise at while you're, while the caution flag is out? Yeah, we wish. We wish. <laughs> um, we wish. <laughs> We're not quite so, you know, so managed as NASCAR, but um, we ask them to slow down to a, what, what they consider to be a safe speed where they can navigate the boat. And the biggest, the biggest issue we have is if, if a guy in front of you slows down, um, we don't want the guy coming up behind him to, like, get in his rooster tail and then maybe pop out to the left or right and go around him only to find out that he's immediately um, into the wreck area, into, you know, into our accident scene. So um, that's why we have this rule that if the guy, you know, slow down, if the guy in front of you slows down, regardless of what class it is, it could be a big boat following a little boat, but regardless of what class it is, they need to slow down and stay behind that boat in front of him because that guy has the best view of what's going on ahead of him. Okay. Now, does it make sense to have like a pace boat come out and just kind of have everybody kind of cruise around at a very, very slow, safe speed? Well, um, that's a little bit problematic for us because we only have like two pace boats out there. And mm-hmm. sometimes these things happen so fast that it's easier for us to get this little caution zone set up and, you know, ask these guys to have a little bit of self-discipline. And and um, we've, we've just instituted this probably in the last two to three years, and it's actually worked pretty well. Um, we haven't, you know, haven't had any problems with it, so um, that's what we're doing for now. Okay. So how many people on your actual team, your staff, that uh, actually work with you? I have um, 10 to 12 people. It depends on the event and the size of the course and, and, and that kind of thing. Okay. How many people are uh, in boats, and how many boats do you generally use? My, and, uh, for my people, we use um, generally two boats. Um, and again, we go out, usually we're the first guys out and the last guys to leave. You know, we go out in the morning, we set up the course, and then um, we, um, we're, I'm responsible to re- to report to, to the race control people that everything is all ready to go for the, for the race. And we have like five checks we have to do. First one is weather. Um, okay, we get out there and say, okay, it's a good day. We're going to be able to race. Um, number two, I think, is the course is all set up. Number three is... Um, particularly here in Florida, we have to have an endangered species watch. So we're looking out for turtles and manatees and dolphins, and we've got a chopper in the air. I've got to clear with those guys that we're good to go. Um, then i got to check with the Coast Guard that we're good to go. And then lastly, we check with medical that we're good to go. So after those five checks take place, then we have what we call a green light, and we can go racing. You know, and that, that happens, you know, again, in Clearwater, we raced at, um, oh, I think we went on when we started at noon. So I was out there at probably seven. You know, we get the course set up, and then we break off for a little bit and then go back out and make sure that the turn boats are in place and all that kind of thing. And like I said, we, we pretty much manage the whole deal except for the medical thing. We have staff that does that. Okay. Now, where exactly is race control during this whole event? Um, race control, for example, with Clearwater was in a room at the Hilton. Okay. Um, so generally, that... they're... Yep, go ahead. So that's where Roger, uh, where Roderick is, Roderick Cox. And he's um, up there no, with... I think... I actually think Roderick was out on the end of the pier. I'm not sure. I'm not. I'm not positive, but 
you know, race control is always at a, an advantage point where they can have radio communications with the entire event. And we, okay. use, we use a VHF radio, we have a private band radio, and we use an aircraft radio. We got, those guys are working like three radios plus multiple cell phones. So they're like, you know, they're busy and dialed in up there. So, um, but you know, they're, the, they're our, our central hub for the, for the communications on the whole event. Okay. Randy, how long have you been doing this, um, you know, course marshal work for uh, SBI? Oh, my gosh. Um, <laughs> gosh 30-plus years. Oh, wow. Now, you're based out of Florida, right? Yeah, I'm out of the Florida Keys, down okay. where the hurricane hit. Down with the hurricane. <laughs> How'd you guys do down there? Did you do, was it as bad as everybody said no. it was? Or? Yes, it was very bad here. I'm in Marathon. I'm in the Middle Keys, and um, the hurricane went through Big Pine, which is a little bit 30 miles to the west of me. Um and it's it's very bad here. Um, but, you know, I mean, we've got we have we have services back and all that, but the damage is significant. In big time, the damage is is extensive. Um, QS uh, did better because they were on the soft side of the storm, but um, the keys were hit pretty hard. It's going to take a little bit of time to recover down here. Um, so we're you know we're dealing with that. So okay, now what what's your background? in with in boating in the boating world to kind of give you the expertise to have that you have to be the be a course marshal well um good story um i actually started in this back in the 80s um and i was the i was in the medical end of it i was the fire chief here in marathon for 20 years oh really and, um, and with that aspect i get into the medical part of it and that's what i used to do and um I kind of worked up the ranks and eventually became um, the operations director for what was then called OPT, the Offshore Professional Tour. Mm-hmm. Um, and I kind of got, I mean, I got too involved in boat race politics and it got to be not fun anymore, so I bailed out for about some um, 10 years. And then, um, I don't know, I guess I'm going to say 14, 15 years ago, John Carbonell asked me to come back. And I said, um, okay, I will, but the only thing I want to do is what I do now is set up the course, you know, be on the water, have a good time, enjoy the event, and all that kind of thing. And, um, and so that you know, that's where I am today. But I know, I know all the aspects of the event because of my progression from going to medical to you know operations manager and all that kind of stuff. So it's it's been been good. It's been you know I had some tough times, but it's good again. I enjoy doing what I'm doing, and um, it gives me a little break from work. I can call them like forced vacations where I have to go out and do boat races. <laughs> So you're the course marshal for SBI, and you have to go set up all the courses that SBI has throughout the year, correct? That's correct. Okay. Mm-hmm. How many races do they have a year? Um, we've had as many as 13 this past year. I think we're going to have six. Okay. So, um, you know, it just depends on, on what's going on. Okay. Any of them uh, more special than others to you? I mean, well, do you... Um, yeah, you know, I would say Clearwater is, is actually one of my favorite events because it's just a great venue. It's um, We love to go there and actually take the day off before the race and run up to, I'm not sure what the island's called, they go to the sandbar that everybody goes to and Caledizzi. parties a little bit. Caledizzi, yeah. okay. <laughs> yeah, and then, um, you know, it's just, it's a good place. It's a fun town. People like us being there. And, you know, we've raced in, in, over in the history, we've raced in big cities. Um, because the racers thought we needed to go to these big cities. And um, it's actually, in my opinion, not a good venue because they don't even care that we're there. You know, it's like we're like a, a spot on an elephant's butt, if you will. <laughs> um, but, but when we go to smaller towns or medium-sized towns, it's like we're a big deal. And that, mm-hmm. that's those are the races I like this. You know, we go there. Um, we've been going to Michigan City, which is at the bottom of um, um, Lake Michigan, Michigan City, Indiana. Another deal. It's about it's probably a little smaller town than Clearwater, but they love us there. I mean, it's a great time. Everybody turns out, and everywhere you go, you're wearing a Superbush show. They, they're like, wow, you guys are here. We love it. We love it. Love it. And, you know, and of course, Key West is probably the best venue in the world to do boat racing, only because the boats can come right in front of the crowd, and there's thousands and thousands of people there. But, um, you know, it is. Clearwater, again, it's a good spot. We have, you know, the the spectator fleet out there is probably second only to maybe uh, Michigan City or Mentor. It's amazing how many people turn up turn out up there in the Great Lakes. But then again, those people can only go on the water about three months out of the year. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, Randy, I want to thank you very much for taking a few minutes and hanging out with us here at Nostalgic Radio Cars, and I certainly look forward to seeing you here next year. And with a little luck, I never know. I might be able to make it to Key West. I've been talking about it for years and years and years. So. Well, 
good time. If you ever get down there, you'll have you'll enjoy it. Okay. Well, I want to thank my uh, special guest this evening, uh, Randy Mearns, if I pronounce it right. Uh, course yep, Marshal. Good, good. Course Marshal for SBI. Randy, you take care, and thanks for coming on the show. All right. Thanks so much. We'll see you later. Okay. Take care. Bye-bye. Well, what do you think, Tommy? I think we got somebody else on the line, don't we? Yes. All right. Well, since we're going to talk a little bit about the logistical aspects of superboat racing, I think uh, it's time we do that. So we just had Randy on. He's, of course, Marshall. I think now it's time, since safety is huge in racing, I think it's time to have the rescue coordinator for SBI, David Harshfield. David, are you there? Hey, Robert. Yeah, I'm here. So I know you're driving back. I think you, when I talked to you earlier, you were somewhere uh, on the uh, East Coast, somewhere around Port St. Lucie and Jupiter in that area. Right. I had some business on the East Coast, and we're headed back home now. Okay, good, good. So now tell us exactly what your duties and your responsibilities are, because uh, I didn't get to see you too much, only at the uh, driver's meeting, but I know you were buzzing around in the helicopter for a while, right? Right, right. I'm the rescue and safety coordinator for Superboat, and okay. we provide the rescue coverage for the racers. And we also provide their escape training, which helps them get real proficient in how to get out of the boat in case they go over. Okay. So tell us a little bit about uh, what exactly you do, because I know you have, you're have you at all the driver's meetings, and what for, for our listeners, there's a driver's meeting on Saturday, which is they go over everything, the courses and, and procedures and stuff, for the testing and tuning, and then they have another driver's meeting, which is and both of these are mandatory, by the way, uh, on Saturday to discuss racing procedures and if there's been any changes or anything like that. So tell us a little bit about your aspect of it. Well, what we do is provide the rescue and safety coverage. We have a team of divers that are posted on the race course in boats, and then we also have a team in a race like Clearwater Race of at least one helicopter with three rescue divers in it, and we are able to coordinate the efforts of those teams through the air. Okay. And uh, is it just one helicopter or do they have two? Because I noticed you, when you guys are flying, because I was out in the boat first time, and then I was on the on the pier the second time, but you guys were, like, chasing the boats, and it's like you chased various boats at different times. So was that you guys that were in that, that boat that were following the boats around the course? Right. That was us. Uh, basically, in a rectangular-shaped course, like they have in Clearwater, we use one helo, and then we have the rescue boat stationed down the center of the race coast. Um, most of our incidents happen in the turns so we make sure that we have plenty of coverage in the turns and even though it looks like we're chasing the boats we're really basically trying to keep a visual on the whole race course okay so you'll see us you'll see us go back and forth from one end to the other and try to uh keep an eye on what's going on and a lot of times it looks like we're just chasing one boat but really we're looking at them all okay now how you're when you're flying it looks like you're pretty low. What what altitude are you at? It looks like you're less than 100 feet. Sometimes we're right down on the deck, just above the boats. Other times we're up to 100 or 200 feet, depending on what's going on. In the races that uh, we use two helos, we'll have one aircraft go to the center and orbit so they can watch the whole oh, wow. course while the other one is working an incident. But most of the time we're maybe 50 to 100 feet above the water. Okay. And how many boats do you use? We use... Five rescue boats, and then we also have a sixth boat, which doubles as a rescue boat, but it also has our team physician on board. And we use that boat to transport any victims that may be injured. Okay. Now... For a race like Clearwater, we have 16 guys out there, including the doctor. Okay. And and how many people are scuba people? How many people are, like, paramedics or medics? And you have one doctor, right, you said? Right. We have one physician. All of our, our people are rescue diver swimmers. Okay. And we're all certified through NAWI worldwide with a special course that encompasses offshore racing rescue. And then a lot of us also have dive rescue one, dive rescue two, and the public gas, public safety aspect of dive rescue. Okay. All right. Now, Most of our guys are firefighters, police officers, some military trained, and then some military, or I'm sorry, some Marine operators, uh, boat captains, dive masters, things like that. But we all have the same NAWI worldwide certification. Okay. Now, in your regular life, okay, what do you what do you some of, what are some of the professions? What uh, do you guys come from? Like you, you for example, if you're not doing this, what do you do in your uh, real world? I've been a, a public safety guy for my entire adult life. I started out in third service EMS, became a firefighter and uh, also a air rescue 
operator for the Broward Sheriff's Fire Rescue. And I ended up my career with the Sheriff's Office as the captain of the fireboat in Port Everglades. And now I work for the Seminole Tribe in Florida as a firefighter paramedic. Oh, wow. Interesting, interesting. Um, do you work, Do you are you strictly with SBI or do you work with uh, some of the other uh, offshore racing boat associations? No, many, most of us work for SBI, but many of us also work other places as well, even some private opportunities. And uh, some of the, the jobs we do in rescue and safety uh, aren't even the, the, uh, the racing aspect. We do some training as well in other venues. Okay. Now, the profession in general, you know, uh, dive safety, uh, rescue, how do, if somebody wanted to do that for a career, how would they go about doing that? If they wanted to kind of partake in that and, and, may, and make that their career, how would they go about doing the training and, and become part of that program? As a career, most of us already have a career in the fire service, uh, military, or law enforcement, or, uh, like I said, some of our marine operators that run charter services and dive companies. And that's where they make their living. Mm-hmm. As far as rescue safety for the boat and goes, that's usually something that most of us are involved in on the side because the racing season is anywhere from eight to ten races long during the year. It's about one a month, depending on uh, the body that we're working with. So there's a limited time available to actually work as this. Okay. Now, the... the um the event that you work at, are some, I mean, do you, is there a degree of difficulty on courses, circuits, for example? So I in other words... I think probably the best comparison would be the difference between the small rectangular courses and then the larger courses, like the Racing Key West, which is a large triangle, and it's got several different points of wind and weather, and it's a little longer race course. So they become a little more different, difficult. We have more real estate to cover, that's why we use two aircraft for those, and then we have a couple extra boats. And then as far as the, uh, the training goes, everyone has to be certified through our, uh, our company, and it, it makes for a more, how should I say, uh, more standardization of, of work and more standardization of the job that we do. We can interchange all our people on the boats and the helicopters. All of our guys are, are aero-deployable. We've got part of our certification includes training with helicopter deployment and how to work safely around the aircraft. So it gets pretty intense when we're during the training throughout the year. Okay. Now let's talk about what's on board the, sh- the, 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 the boat. The boat flips over, and for all you listeners out there, like the catamarans have the safety hatch underneath, which they can release and they can exit from the bottom. So take us through the process. For example, let's say a boat rolls over. You've got to jump in the water. What's the next move? What do you guys do? Well, basically, this is where the racers have to work with us as part of our team, and we work with them as part of their team. And it all starts with the dunker training that we put them through. Okay. And it's basically a medieval torture device. It's a cage that's set up with a couple of floats and a five-point restraint system and an air supply. And anyone that's in a canopy boat, whether it's a V-bottom or a catamaran, has to qualify through this training. And we simulate an actual rollover in the pool, so it's a little more controlled, and we have at least one diver underneath the dunker, and then we have two that deploy it and one standing by as well, so we have plenty of people to help. And we use a BRACE acronym. They have to be able to brace for the accident, reach for their air, access an exit point in their harness, and then they have to count a five- or ten-second count to reorient because you have to remember now they're underwater upside down. So it takes a few seconds for them to reorient what position they are in the boat. And then once they get that figured out, they release their harness, open the hatch, and get out. With the V-bottom boats, they all have to do it the old-fashioned way and come out underwater and open the uh, top hatch, which now... And sometimes they have to wait until that pressure equalizes or they won't be able to open the hatch. In the catamaran, if... uh, all the catamarans in today's racing have an escape hatch. So provided they are uninjured and they're on their air, they can open that escape escape hatch was now on top of the boat and crawl out of the boat to the sunlight. Okay. Now, if they're injured, then we still have to take them out the old-fashioned way through the top hatch. And when they do this training and they 
everyone who's been over in one of these boats and has done well credits that training for helping them through the experience. The air. You talked about the air. They have to reach for the air. How long is the air supply? In other words, yeah. So in other words, if they're underwater and they reach for the air, how? what's the time period? I mean, how long does the, the air supply last? Right. Some of the boats uh, have a full 80 cubic foot tank on them. Some of them use a smaller system with 19 or 30 cubic foot tanks. We'd like them to have a half an hour air supply okay. just in case they have an issue, but Usually, most of these rescues are over in just a couple of minutes. And the, the main thing is they have to be able to get on their air, and that way that helps them reorient. There's no need for panic at that point, and they can just take their time and get out of the boat. Okay. I can only imagine upside down, strapped in, you're reaching for your air. That's got to be extremely, like, frightening, claustrophobic, just a whole bunch of, you know— things come to mind, but, uh, you guys do a great job and we're certainly glad that you guys are out there. So that's good. And, uh, and for the most part, I guess it seems like it's a pretty, it's, been a, it's a pretty safe sport due to that. The safety systems in the boat work. The five point restraint holds them in the boat and helps protect them against impact. A lot of the racers are reinforcing their canopies these days with, uh, carbon fiber materials and they're making them more, resistant to impact because you have to remember sometimes these boats are going into these turns at 100 miles plus and then they take a side impact the canopy has to protect them so with all those things being done and then with our efforts to try to help them out and be part of their escape plan it makes it much safer well that's excellent that's excellent well, David, I want to thank you very much for coming on the show and uh, look forward to seeing you some of the next, uh, well, the next Clearwater race. Maybe I get to Key West. I'm not sure, but uh, certainly a pleasure having you on the show, and you certainly enlightened me, and uh, and it's 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 very, very reassuring to know that you're out there, and I'm sure the drivers are very thankful as well. Well, thank you very much for having me, and please come to Key West and ask all your, your listeners to come down. It's open for business down there. It's going to be a great event. And it, it should be a good time for everyone. They're recovering slowly over the the course of this last storm, but uh, we will be down there and we will be racing. Okay, well, super. Well, uh, David, you take care. Again, I want to thank my special guest, the rescue coordinator for SBI, David Harshfield. David, take care. We'll see you later. Take care. Great night. Bye-bye. All right. Well, t- uh, Tommy, I think we got somebody else on the line, don't we? And uh, I'll tell you what, if you got the media credential or the VIP pass, there's a very, very, very beautiful boat on there, and I think it had some outstanding graphics. It was also a very, very good performer and also contender for the championship. I'm delighted to welcome one of the drivers for that boat, Rusty Ram, for Wake Effects. Rusty, are you there? I am here. So uh, how did you guys do? I know you, uh, you you looked very, very good in the water there for a while, then all of a sudden you pulled in the middle there for a little bit, and then uh, looked like you had some... Technical issues or something like that, mechanical issues, then you went back out, and then you disappeared. So tell us a little bit about what happened. And I'm not sure because I didn't get all the race results, but somewhere, did you win your class? So, yeah, the national championships, obviously, which concludes in uh, Clearwater, it's mm-hmm. your local race, uh, uh, is an accumulation of uh, uh, four races throughout the season, or excuse me, five races throughout the season, uh, where you earn points at each one. and. We had a pretty substantial lead coming into the race down in Clearwater, and uh, yeah, we had a great turnout for our class. We had five boats in our class, and uh, so we were really excited about that. Excited to have, you know, in a, with us being the fastest class out there, it was uh, really exciting to you know see the turnout we had in terms of competition. So uh, we uh, on Sunday we came, we tested successfully Saturday. On Sunday we came out. Um, Got on the, you know, from the start, uh, I think we came down the front stretch uh, after taking the green flag and came out of the first turn with approximately about a six-second lead um, on the, the second-place boat in our class. And uh, <clears throat> as we proceeded with the race, as we were coming down uh, the back stretch of uh, what would have been lap two, um, Physically, uh, myself, I was not feeling well. I could, it felt like something was wrong and uh, really couldn't figure out what was going on. And uh, so at that point, uh, our crew chief had informed us we'd established about a 20-second lead. So I'd uh, you know, commun- we have communication where I'm driving the boat and uh, our throttleman, Jeff Harris, uh, he's running the throttles and the trim in the boat. So 
as we were coming into uh, the second turn of, of lap two, I'd, uh, I'd mentioned to him that, you know, something wasn't right in terms of the way I was feeling. And uh, he responded with the same thing, that he was not feeling the, uh, physically or mentally uh, right. So at the kind of speeds we run, um, you know, we, we knew we had an issue that, you know, wasn't isolated to one of us. So we weren't sure whether that was, you know, some sort of carbon monoxide or uh, fuel fumes. So as we were coming down the uh, straightaway, you know, we decided with the, you know, first off, the, the safety is always the number one priority for us. So between, you know, our safety, the spectators, um, both on the beach and, and you know, rafted off there, we thought the best thing to do uh, was to pull off. So <clears throat> we did that, and uh, we opened the uh, the hatch on the, the canopy of the boat and popped out, got some fresh air, um, kind of, you know, got our senses back and, uh, you know, di- discussed what we thought potential issues might be. And... Um, we thought perhaps uh, we were getting some CO2 or carbon monoxide in the boat from our air conditioning unit or one of the blowers or possibly fuel fumes. So um, we at that point, we uh, shut down our air conditioning unit. Um, we decided we'd certainly like to finish the race and fare well. Uh, if that meant we, we, you know, we had to sweat a little extra more, we were certainly both willing to do that. Um, so we did that. We shut down the blowers that blows air into our cockpit. And... Uh, Pulled back on the course. We completed another uh, lap and a half, I believe, and uh, we were standing in communication with one another in terms of how we were both doing physically. And uh, about uh, the end of that uh, lap and a half, uh, we both decided that you know the problem was was still uh, persisting with the boat in terms of you know how we were feeling, and decided the safest and smartest thing to do was to pull off and, and pull out of the race, which. Again, you know, it's a very tough decision to make when uh, you have so much on the line and so much work and time and efforts gone into it. Um, but we knew we'd wrapped up the national championship, and we also knew that, uh, you know, first and foremost, uh, the spectator's safety and our competitor's safety and our safety was, you know, the number one priority. Okay. Now, if I understood the announcer right, he said something like you had a 500-point lead. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, we had a pretty substantial lead coming in. Um, Michigan City uh, is a double-point race, uh, which we won first place in. That was a race prior to Clearwater. So, yeah, we had a very significant lead coming into to Clearwater. Um, in fact, I think mathematically all we had to do was essentially start the race to, um, you know, wrap up uh, first place in the national championship. Okay. Yeah, I remember that was uh, it was either Bobby Vesper or somebody else a couple of years ago. Uh, four or five years ago, that was their dear too. All they had to do is just start the race and just idle around, and they would still win the championship because they were so far ahead in the point system. Well, that's good. Tell us a little bit about your boat. Sure. So we we operate a forty eight foot uh, MTI Marine Te- Technology Inc., uh, which is built. They were built out of uh, Winsville, Missouri, which is just outside of St. Louis. Mm-hmm. Um, we run Mercury Racing Power. We have a couple different engines we use for Mercury Racing. Um, in the Key West race, we were running 1,650-horse Mercury Racing uh, engines, um, which ran, as you could see from the, the uh, lead we, we built, uh, obviously we're running extremely well. Um, the uh, the boat is, uh, you know, it's the same boat we won the uh, World and National Championships and Florida Championships, the Triple Crown last year with. So, um yeah, when it comes to the equipment, we're we're really proud of what we have. Um, our boat, boat as you mentioned, is is Wake Effects, which is a boat dealership based out of Lake of the Ozarks in Missouri, um, and we are a dealer for marine technology or MTI, um, also for Mastercraft uh, towboats, ski boats, and Crest pontoon boats. Okay, do you have a website too? We do. We do. Well, we have a uh, Wake Effects, obviously, as a dealership. We have one, and then we have, of course, our our Wake Effects Offshore Racing website. Okay, very good. I know that I did a little social media, so I uh, tagged uh, Wake Effects Offshore Racing, so I think you guys responded back to that. And then I also noticed that it was Wake Effects, too, so that must be the dealership. That's an interesting name. I like it. But I'll tell you what, who came up with the graphics on the boat? Because the boat is really stunning. Uh, the graphics on the boat were done by a, a company by the name of Visual Imagination, which mm-hmm. is based out of the Kansas City area. Um, 
I think most people will remember the CMS boats, which were the orange boats that ran there last year uh-huh. um, and prior years that have had a lot of success in offshore powerboat racing the past uh, several years. Um, the boat we raced is actually, we raced last year in Clearwater as well under the CMS umbrella. Mm-hmm. Um, most people recall one, one boat had the number three and the other one had the number zero three. And that was about the only way you could tell them apart. Well, <clears throat> the zero three boat is our boat. And, uh, yeah, we raced with, uh, Bob Bull and Randy Sism as teammates last year. And, uh, Bob and Randy are running a much more limited schedule. Um, I actually purchased the boat from Bob. Um, this past season, the end of this past season. And, uh, you know, we loved the look of the boat before, uh, but we thought, you know, the, the best thing for us to do going forward was to change the graphics to match more with, um, you know, Wake of X colors and branding. Um, so we worked with uh, Mark Morris from Visual Imagination over the uh, the off season and, and redid the boat prior to the first race of this season in Coco. Well, I'll tell you what, it's a stunning boat. So, uh, and you did very, very well, and and you guys have a super, super team. One more time, well, if you want to, very much. So if you want to plug your uh, company real quick, you're welcome to do so, and then uh, we'll kind of wrap it up here a little bit. So uh, go ahead and do that real quick. Rusty. Sure, it's, it's Wake Effects, located out of Lake of the Ozarks, Missouri, or wakeeffects.com. And I just want to thank you for your time, and thank you uh, to all the people of Clearwater. Uh, Frank Chevis putting on a first-class event and thank the people from SBI. Um, you know, it's, it's a wonderful experience being in Clearwater. Well, super. Well, hopefully you do very well and win the uh, World Championship in Key West, and we'll see you down there if I can get down there. In the meantime, Rusty, I want to thank you very much for coming on Nostalgia Radio and Cars. Thanks so. for having me. Have a great night. Okay. Hey, uh, <laughs> I want to thank all my listeners to get to Nostalgia Radio Cars. Don't forget, every Tuesday night between 7 and 8 p.m. right here on the Tantalk Radio Network. Don't forget to check out our website, Gulfstream Motorsports. Dot com. Tell your friends. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and all that good social media stuff. Don't forget, FloridaCarshows.com. A lot of cool stuff going on. Don't forget, Cars and Guitars this weekend. Coda, Formula One racing coming up. Barber Motorsports this weekend. HSR Savannah in a couple of weekends. Check our website, our events page. In the meantime, everybody stay safe, drive carefully, and love your family.